All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Euphrates Network podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Shady. And at the Euphrates Network podcast, we talk about culture, theology, and how you fit into God's story. And so today, we're going to be talking about the call of God on each of our lives. And Shay's going to kick us off. And we're going to talk about finding purpose. We're going to talk about what does God want from us? And, you know, what does he call us to? And also, we're going to talk about the tension of, you know, many of us living in America and the West, we have so much opportunity for self-fulfillment and pleasure. Uh, but it seems that we are the most unsatisfied that we've ever been uh, in all of history. Don't quote me on that. That's not a fact, but that's how it seems. So anyway, Shay, tell us a little bit about your journey to find purpose and the call of God on your life. Yeah, thanks, Dan, Daniel. Um, yeah, I mean, I I struggled like my whole life with the question of like, what I, what do I want to do with my life? Cause I know everyone at some point asked that question of what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do with my life? And I know when I was younger, um, I mean, I've went, I went through every different option in my head of like possible things I can do. I remember in, in first grade, um, we had a class assignment where we had to basically tell the teacher what we wanted to be when we grew up and we ended up making this like life-size cutout paper cutout that we like colored and it was like you know to illustrate the occupation and then we put it up in our in our homes and I remember there was this there's this kid who he was kind of like the cool kid in the class and he made a joke that he wanted to be like a, a ringmaster in a circus and because I thought like oh that's what the cool kid wants to do it's like that's what I want to do and so I was like, I want to be a ringmaster. And so I remember in my living room, we had me up like this big cutout of me in like a ringmaster like outfit with like a top hat. And so, okay. yeah, for a little bit, that's what I wanted to do. I think I I mean, I think I regretted it pretty quickly, um, <laughs> you know, but. Bro, there's no way you could do that. Yeah, there's no way I could do that. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. I mean, does that even is that even still like a possible job? Like, I don't even know where you apply for that. Like, for sure it exists, but yeah. Yeah. Not, not for I, me. I haven't been to the circus in a long time. Yeah. Do they, do circuses still even exist? Uh, I think they have them. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. um, Yeah. So there's, there's a brief period. That's what I wanted to do. Um, And yeah, I remember just growing up, I, it was, there was always like, even into college, like I would always just, have a sense of like anxiousness but I knew that you know um I was always like good at school and I was good academically and my parents um they you know they're immigrants and like all of my grandparents were educators and so there was like a lot of uh um just emphasis on education and I probably brought this up on the other episode we recorded so I won't go too deep into it but I knew so that yeah, anxiety was coming mainly from your parents, you think? I think, yeah, I think anxiety was coming because I felt like I had like God given tools to succeed at something. 
I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't know like why I should care. And so it was this weird tension between feeling pressure to get good grades, but not really actually at the same time, not really caring and not knowing why I should care. And so even in university, I did, uh, you know, I did engineering, um, did some internships and there's just so many, so many times I'm just kind of like, why am, why am I here? And um, over time, my, you know, my grades actually started to suffer because I just couldn't find motivation beyond like the pressure to like not fail out and like to do well just because I should, but I just didn't know why. Um, and during this is like my junior year of undergrad Penn State um it was when God was really drawing me and there was a lot of things going on um during that period of a few months but one of the things going on was just really being honest and articulating my sense of just purposelessness in life and not just that I personally felt purposeless purpose per, how do you say it purposeless Purposeless. purposeless um not that i just personally felt like i didn't have purpose when i looked around at people it felt like they were motivated towards a purpose but it felt like what they were motivated towards was meaningless and i couldn't quite understand how they found the motivation to strive in a certain direction that felt like just meaningless I, I mean, I remember one time I was at a, I was at a party and, um, you know, party is supposed to be fun. You know, you're supposed to be like in a good mood. That's the point of why people come together. But like, I just kind of went on a pretty, you know, just like dark rant about how <laughs> everything's meaningless. Like just Ecclesiastes. I was like the epitome of Ecclesiastes. It's all vanity. And I just kind of like went into like, why are we here? Why do we like we get good grades, we get a good job, maybe get married, have a family? And everyone's like, "Bro, shut up! We yeah, just want right. to drink beer, right?" But it's just like live a whole life to save up for retirement, and then and then we just die after. It's just like, what's the point of this? And um, mm. yeah, I really struggled with that, and I think because I grew up with you know with Christian context, and because I knew I knew God was drawing me. I knew that the answers were in, in God, right. We're in Jesus. And I think it really clicked for me that I think before I gave my life to Christ, my purpose was just kind of like typical, like just hedonism. Not that I was like, you know, that out there or anything, but it's just kind of like, you just do whatever, like you think is fun, you know, and that's what purpose was for me. And, um, that, that became old really quickly. Um, and so, yeah, when I found the Lord, or more so when the Lord found me, I it was so obvious to me that God had done so much to bring me to the point where I wanted to like give my life to him. And my big question is like, God, why can't you do that for everyone? It's like, why did he do that for me? And I know there's like some deep theological theological answers we can go into with that. And I know it's always a mystery, but the way the Holy Spirit spoke to me was that he said, it's because someone was praying for you. And it just like a light bulb clicked. I'm just like, oh, it's because someone was praying for me. Does that mean if I pray for other people, you can do the same thing in other people's lives? 
And it just started a whole journey in my own life of starting to read about revival and starting to read about how God can just really change people's lives, but just not, not even just on an individual basis, but in whole regions where it's like in certain regions of the world, whole cities, you know, at times whole nations, his, his presence can be so felt and so palpable that just um, multitudes, multitudes of people start to turn to him and it just shifts, it just shifts history, shifts demographics and I think something clicked early on in my walk with God of like, it's my purpose in life to pray for that and to seek that. And that's what, that's what I'm on earth for. And so that, that reality has just grounded me and, you know, every, every decision, cause I'm not, um, you know, I, I work at a university, I work in research. And so it's not like, but it's like everything that I'm doing was, was in with that in the back of my head of like, that's what that's what I feel like I'm alive for. And so that's a little bit of my journey of feeling a sense of calling in my life and feeling a sense of purpose. But um, I don't know if you had any questions on that, Dan- Daniel, or any like feedback or anything like that. Who was praying for you? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I would say I would say the answer is as I don't really know, but I have a hunch that I mean, I I. <laughs> I could go into some stuff, but I think it's probably overly personal for this conversation. But I would say this. I feel like you don't want to share. I'll, I'll I'll share generally. I think a lot of their prayers for revival in state college over the years. I feel like God used that and people who were praying for revival in the region. I think that was a big part of like when God saved me. And like so just that like sense of like God, like bring revival to this university. I felt like my own life, my own story of like being interrupted was God answering the prayers of people who mm-hmm. were praying for the region. In addition, of course, to my parents and other people. But I feel like in terms of the timing, yeah. I feel like Man. those people praying for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So was it like for you, was it a process in kind of switching over from uh you know realizing okay everything is empty like did you have Mm -hmm. a period of time when you enjoyed it uh because you know like you said hey why can't everybody be like this but like it took you a while right or how can you talk about your process you know you're like hey why can't everybody experience this like in a moment and you wanted everyone to experience it probably in that moment right Mm -hmm. uh but you yourself it took a process, no? Yeah. Are you, are you talking about the process to go from kind of, kind of, enjo- to an extent, enjoying like my sin versus saying like this is empty, or the process of finding purpose in God and realizing that God gives? Yeah, purpose? like the whole, the whole yeah. journey. You know, like yeah. how long did that take? Take you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everything. Yeah, it was, it was all a process over a number of years. I think that there was. There was moments in time where I had a sense of clarity that my like so the sorry, let me let me back up a second. So there was an there was an element of purpose that I felt that I enjoyed, and that was specifically seeking pleasure. It's like just in the immediate moment seeking the things that seem fun that young people are going after. And I like I kind of enjoyed that for a season. 
But then there was the other aspect where I had always felt purposeless. And that was just kind of like the long-term life stuff of like the things that like a normal adult supposed to do with their life. That always just felt like, to be honest, like just meaningless. And so that wasn't a process. That was always deep down. I felt like the, the, the concept of growing up and becoming a responsible adult or all that just didn't mean anything. But the, but the aspect of just like chasing like immediate pleasure and all that, I think that there's just moments of clarity where I realized that like darkness was controlling me in a way that I wasn't even really making choices anymore. It was like kind of had a hold on me. And I think those moments of clarity, there are times where I'm just like, like I need to like give my life to Jesus and like, you know, turn away from this. But I think that there was just, there was always this thing that kept me there for a while where it was like, it's because I haven't gone deep enough in this world. Like it has, like there's something there that's ultimately going to satisfy me. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, like a dog chasing its own tail. <laughs> you know, It's like, if I just keep trying, I'm going to eventually get it. Um, I, is that what dogs are trying to do? They're trying to bite their own tail. I don't even know. I don't even know if that's the best analogy, but you know, the Bible will talk about a chasing after the wind, you know? And so yeah. I think that I was, deceived into thinking that even if I wasn't finding total fulfillment and chasing pleasure that I would but then I think like junior year Penn State it's like I've been doing the same things every weekend virtually for like over two years what is it got me and I think that seeing how much I had really gotten deep into depression and the fact that my decisions were starting to affect like my grades and like whatever future I would have is just it was like clear that I wasn't functioning functioning like normally and I was like losing a sense of myself. And so I think the process is getting me to the place where I realized that like this just is not working. Like it's it's very clear this isn't working. And it's not like if I keep going, it's all gonna work itself out. It's just like something has to change. And I feel like it was God getting me to that place, but also as I got to that place, showing me the right way. And then once I got there and I gave my life to Jesus, the like sense of like, this is what I feel called to that happened. I mean, that was over the process of like weeks, like that happened very, very quickly. And I mean, it was during that time that I met you too. And, you know, there was a ministry team that came that I know impacted you as well, that impacted me a lot. And, just reading books it was just very clear like okay this is what i'm alive for and so that part was a lot a lot quicker yeah no that's good i, I just think it's good to highlight the process you know because yeah. some some people they definitely look at you know a guy like you shay and they say oh wow like you know i want my my kid or you know my son or daughter to grow up and be like shay you know serving the lord i don't know about that phd no but the point is i'm trying to make is that you know you had a process that you went through and uh it's just encouraging to people that somebody was praying for you and so uh, if we have people in our life a little bit you know off topic but if we have people in our life who are kind of seem like they're on the right path a wrong path you never know what prayer can do yeah. uh consistently over a couple of years and yeah. you know now you can look at us 10 years later after we've met at state college and 
you know, pe- people say, oh, maybe I want my, my kid to be like Shay, you know? <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> Shay has, has grown a lot. And yeah, that was right about the time that we met, you know, 12, 12 years ago or so, or no, 11 years ago, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, purposelessness is huge. I actually just checked some stats on my computer here. It says that uh, one in 10 youth in the U.S. are experiencing depression that is severely impairing their ability to function at school or work at home with family or in the social life uh, in 2023. And about 16.3% of youth aged 12 to 17 report suffering from at least one major depressive episode in the past year. Uh, And about 11% of youth, 2.7 million youth in America are experiencing severe major depression. And I think a lot a lot of it, you know, there are hormonal things uh, and um, sometimes just the right uh, hormones aren't secreting, you know, in our brain. Uh, but a lot of it, I do think, is also comes down to purposelessness. You know, when you have a purpose, I mean, you struggle with depression, Shay, for many years. Um, personally, I have not battled that bad with depression, just kind of the, the normal blues that people get from time to time. Uh, but yeah, I think that having a hope and having a purpose in your life, having something that you're working towards, uh, really is something, uh, that can, um, you know, eliminate depression and a lot of these things. And we're seeing this happen, you know, on a pretty wide scale in the States. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we're, we're not psychologists or anything or doctors, but I know for me personally, like it's such a big part of depression is just like feeling like you have you need to have feel like you have a reason for getting out of bed. Like it actually matters and there's like things that you look forward to. And I just I just know for so many people, um yeah, it's just not always it's not always there. And I, I guess that's part of why we're having this conversation is to figure out how to how to get that sense of purpose. Um but Dana, I was I wanted to ask you, unless you had anything else on that, um, what what your journey was to find per like purpose. And I know, I mean, I know for both of us it's always a work in progress, but there's definitely been progress in a certain direction. So kind of wanted to hear a little bit about about your story. Yeah, for sure. I think well, let me just start off by saying I think that one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves or the Satan tells us or the culture tells us uh, is that when if you're unsatisfied now, when you reach X point mm-hmm. or achieve X thing in your life, then you will be satisfied. Yeah. And for a lot of ambitious young people, uh, we can stave off. Uh, we can deal with the dissatisfaction of now uh, in exchange for the future uh, feelings of achievement or accomplishment in the future. It's just like, okay, right now I'm in high school. If I get that, uh, college scholarship, then I'll feel satisfied. Or now you're in college. If I get that job, if I get that, um, you know, if I get into that master's program or PhD program, if I get that postdoc, if I get this promotion and it, it goes on and on and on. And the watershed moment for me uh, was when I was in high school, I was pretty decent soccer and track athlete. And I 
had a goal my whole high school career uh, to run or play soccer in college. And I remember uh, my spring of senior year, I had had some injuries in my junior year. I ran the 800 meters in track and field. And so I was not recruited for track and field during my junior year because of my injuries. Still ran decently well. But then senior year, I started to run really quick times and I uh, got invited onto some pretty good track programs, uh, teams. And I remember the day or the week after I had run a very good time, my best time, uh, still my best time, unfortunately, that I ever ran. And I got accepted into Florida State University to run track. And I had been waiting for this moment my whole life. Uh, you know, my whole high school life. And I remember uh, emailing the coach, telling him that I was going to accept, you know, you know, the offer to be on the team and that I would finish the application uh, to the school. And then he said that given my GPA and everything, I would be accepted. And it was just, you know, a done deal, basically. Uh, and so I was super pumped, walked into school the next day and I I walked up to my friends and I was like, guys, I have great news. Uh, I've committed to Florida State University to run track. It's one of the best track programs in the nation at the time it was. Uh, and they looked at me and they said, wow, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. And then they said, did you see the game last night? And my my heart just dropped because uh, I was shocked at how lightly they had taken my accomplishment. <laughs> they were just they didn't just like, bow down wow. and worship you <laughs> great news you know oh man awesome that's that's great congratulations and then like they immediately started talking about you know whatever it was the the basketball game or or something uh the nba playoffs or whatever that were happening at that time and i was just i just walked away kind of stunned like is that all there is is that all is that what i is that what i worked for and and yeah i, I was like well, ask myself what did I want to happen? You know, did it, did I, did I want people to bow down and worship me? And the scary answer was, yeah, actually I didn't want that, but I, I wanted that, that praise that came with that. And uh, ever since that moment uh, it, it, you know, my journey was also a process, but uh, ever since that moment, I just began to realize that uh, things cannot like, from that point, I kind of went like, well, people only care about themselves and including me, you know, and so it was more of like a social lesson, <laughs> you know, like ah, people don't really care. And I kind of got a little bit bitter, uh, but it was, you know, in reaching that goal and then feeling that loss and disappointment, I feel like I had been given such a big gift because I had such a major goal early on. And realizing that I had achieved that goal uh, and had not achieved that subsequent expected outcome that I thought would come Mm -hmm. from achieving that goal, uh, I feel like I got a lot wiser. And I began to realize that, okay, maybe like there, there will be no like relief from this feeling of like, when I hit X, I will be you know, why I will be happy or whatever. So anyway, I did end up going to Florida state for that one year. Uh, and, 
uh, long story short, I moved back after my freshman year of college, went to Penn State, and that's where I met Shayi. Uh, and then finally, I was a Christian, kind of, uh, you know, cultural Christian, just had my fire insurance. But then when I uh, went to uh, Penn State, I really encountered the Lord. And I and at, at that point, I had basically just channeled all of my uh, ambition and discipline of pursuing uh, track and field or sports, let's just say, and I had put it into my degree and I was studying finance at the time. Uh, and I, you know, just really wanted to work in New York in finance and basically trying to find purpose outside of myself to achieve these financial goals in order to feel uh, a certain way or, you know, to have a sense of purpose. Uh, and yeah, there was a lot of hedonistic, um, you know, undertones in there. It's like, Hey, if you get this right job, then you can have these experiences. You can own these houses. Uh, you know, if you work on wall street, then, you know, okay, you can eventually build the kind of family that you want to build and blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, and I remember going to the, the meeting that Shay talked about, um, there was a week long ministry time at Penn State, and it was a team from International House of Prayer that came, and they basically just did prayer and worship the whole week uh, at a church, and God just encountered me in the strangest way. I think he encountered a lot of people, but he encountered me in a way that just made me feel like all of the external affirmation that I wanted from achieving these goals, uh, whether it be track and field or whether it be... Uh, you know, finance or career oriented goals. Uh, in a, in a moment, I felt that all that desire was satisfied in God. And it was the strangest feeling I had ever felt because at that moment I didn't want anything but God. Uh, and I said, Lord, if this is what you're going to give me, then like I'm all in because I've been looking for this my whole life. And so I think in the same way, Shay, I had that sense of there's something missing in life and I'm going to be proactive and go find it. And what I thought it was, was, you know, a successful athletic career or perhaps, you know, uh, riches, financial success or career success and, and influence and power in the business world. Uh, but the Lord was very gracious to me to just speak to my heart and speak to those things um, that I wanted. And really it was that love and affirmation and significance, uh, that he spoke to me during that week. And then I began to learn, then I began to read the Bible more because when God touches you, that's what you do. You want to read the Bible. Right. And so I began to read the Bible more aggressively. And one verse that really stuck out to me, I think it's, uh, Mark chapter eight. Uh, it's, it's, a uh, in a couple of the synoptic gospels, but, the verse where Jesus basically says, um, those who want to uh, save their life will lose it. And those who want to give up their life will actually save it and will get it back. And I began to realize that actually, yeah, when you give up your dreams and you give up the things that you think you want uh, and you give them to God, that actually you don't lose the, those things that you want, you actually get them back, but you get them back in a way uh, that is actually healthy and good for you. So you give up your dreams 
And then God gives you the things that you thought your dreams were going to give you. But he gives them to you in a way that's healthy for you and in a way that you were designed to take them from him, actually. And then everything else just becomes icing on the cake. And yeah, you can, it doesn't mean that you can't have a successful athletic career or you can't have a successful uh, business uh, or a business career for that matter. But it means that when you are putting your purpose into these things, business and athletics and relationships, if it's with a, you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend, they are not designed to give you purpose. And that is the, the big thing. And this is the point that Jesus makes. He says that if you give me everything, I will give everything back to you. And C.S. Lewis has a quote, says, if you, if you shoot for heaven or no, sorry, if you shoot for earth, you won't get earth. Uh, but if you shoot for heaven, you get earth thrown in. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the idea of if you put God first, if you give him uh, everything, then he will take you down a path and he will bring things to you, which will bless you. And he will satisfy you uh, on the inside. There's no guarantees for that. You're going to be rich or you're going to you know, win an Olympic gold medal or anything. But I can guarantee that God will satisfy your inner desires. And through the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit uh, in a way that uh, you will not be, you will not suffer with depression long term. And you will have hope in your heart. You will not suffer with anxiety. The Lord will give you peace in these things if you continually, over a long period of time, uh, you can definitely achieve or receive the things that God wants to give you. You will be, as uh, one pastor likes to say, you will be a satisfied customer if you uh, are faithful in doing that over the long run. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have, you know, little ups and downs and stuff. uh, And you may, you know, have a bout or two of depression here and there. But over the long term, if you look at the trajectory. And so anyway, what does it look like to give everything to the Lord, right? That's kind of a scary, it's kind of a scary thought, right? Jesus is like, hey, give me everything and I'll give it all back. But it doesn't always come back in the way that you think, right? Yeah. Uh, And so for me, uh, I got out of college and I started working at a job at a bank as a banking analyst. And uh, pretty soon the Lord uh, brought to my attention uh, the issue of Muslims. And uh, so I just started to pray for Muslim people to get saved, mainly in America and in Europe, because of that time, the Syrian refugee crisis was just all over the news. And I began to p- to pray. Yeah, for the Muslims. Yeah. So what do you, when you say the issue of Muslims, can you c- clarify that a little bit? Yes. The the um, basically bringing to my attention that there are one point six billion people in the world who do not. Uh, trust in Jesus as their savior and just like just touching my heart for these for these people and uh, at that time there was a lot of news in the New York Times uh, about Islamic State in Syria and Iraq and also like I said the Syrian refugee crisis and uh, you know my heart was uh, touched for uh, the Syrian refugees as well and so just praying for them Uh, and through that journey uh, the Lord uh, led me into praying for Muslims, meeting Muslims in America. I had never really uh, 
met a Muslim and talked to him about his faith or her faith before that. And so I began to visit different mosques locally. And then one day as I was, as I was praying and interceding for the salvation of Muslim people, I felt the Lord say, now it's time for you to be an answer to your prayer and for you to go to the nations and serve Muslims. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was, that was too, was that you, God? You know, like, you know, sometimes you just like sense something or it, I didn't hear an audible voice. Uh, and so for me, that process, it was a process because it was never my goal to want to go and be a missionary in uh, the unreached people groups or and live amongst Muslims and serve them and share with them the knowledge of Jesus. And yeah, it was just took me took me a while to actually reckon with that and to reckon with the idea that, hey, I got to switch, you know, locations, I got to get some training, I got to find a mission organization, and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, as I've followed the Lord, and as, as I've just listened and obeyed uh, where he's, you know, called me to go and what he's called me to give, and just re- repeatedly gone back to that verse of, uh, if you give me your life, you will save it. And I've just found that to be true over and over and over again. And uh, it's just crazy how as you read the Bible and you actually do the Bible and you do what the Lord asks of you, that you gain so much more confidence in what the Bible actually says and in who Jesus actually is. Uh, And so, yeah, it really starts with just letting go of your own wants and desires and agenda and asking God for his heart and being that blank slate and once you become that blank slate, now the Lord is able to uh, lead you into your quote unquote destiny. And, you know, we don't want to make a big, uh, you know, American church loves to make a big deal out of you, right? Like your destiny and got to get yours and all this stuff. But really, uh, Jesus says, the only way to really find your destiny is to give it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, yes, I understand that. A lot of those people mean very well when they talk about you and growing. And I've gained a lot of knowledge from a lot of those teachings and sermons as well. But what the Bible says is that we give ourselves to the Lord and then he gives us back what he sees fit and what is actually good for us. And so my life uh, now, 10 years later, you know, after Shay and I met at Penn State, you know, it looks different than Shay's life. Shay's serving the Lord in a university uh, while working, and I'm full-time missionary in the Middle East, and it looks different, but we're both really seeking to be blank slates, to always ask, Lord, where am I writing my own agenda, giving up those agendas to the Lord, and um, yeah, asking him what it is that he really wants us to do. And through this, you have incredible amount of clarity and purpose with your life and living not your life just for you and for the things of this this world and this age but also living for that next age where you will be rewarded with how you live your life and so having our purpose and our hope in uh, the age to come is also something that is really really helpful so anyway kind of went off there a little bit but no, Shay, was, what are your questions? i feel like that was all uh 
that was all like a clear trajectory. So thank you for that. And I think the last part of what you were touching on, the age should come one. Um, maybe we're not going to get too deep into that next one because yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a whole can of worms to open. But as a I, worm can. Yeah. I love what you were saying about um, just coming to God as a blank slate, because I think we really covered, you know, apart from God, you know, sometimes when people pursue purpose apart from God, you know, hopefully people get to the point where they find emptiness in it and turn to God. Um but we, I think if you're a Christian, you understand that, you know, it's a basic concept, but there's also another category where you're a Christian and you're coming to God, but you're not coming to God with a blank slate. You're coming to God with like a prescribed agenda or purpose. And like God becomes the means for you to fulfill that end. And for instance, like, I mean, here, this is a most obvious example and not to like straw men, this group of Christians, but like, you know, a lot of people, they, they've heard the term prosperity gospel. And I think that word just kind of gets thrown around flippantly and people mean different things. But in essence, like, you know, the, the idea that, you know, God exists to make you wealthy. And so when you're praying, you know, when you're coming to God, it's to use him as a means to end. And I'm not saying everyone who would adopt the term prosperity gospel believes it, but you know, virtually everyone can see how, like, there's something wrong where it's like God becomes our servant to get us to where we want to go. And like, that's exact opposite. And so the, the thing about the blank slate, coming to God with the blank slate, is it like, we need like a fundamental reorientation of how we live, like how we think about our lives, where it's, it's like, God has desires, God has a purpose, and we're called to fit into what he wants. That's a, that's a concept of losing our ourselves kind of with a blank slate, is that we're, we're coming empty and we're saying, God, what is it that you want to do around me on this earth? And what part do you have, do I have to play with what you want? Not like, hey, I've had this dream. And sometimes God gives us dreams, which is why it gets confusing, because sometimes God puts his desires in us, but the way that we really know that it's God's purpose and God's desire that he's putting in us is that we just let it all go. And I love the term blank slate. We come to him with a blank slate and just say, God, what do you want? And it's out of that place that we get a real sense of clarity of life. And like, like Daniel, you were saying, it's where we really get purpose back because we've made ourselves available to just to know and understand what it is that God actually created us for and to do. And we've let go of the other things that he didn't ever intend for us to have. Yeah, for sure. It's so easy just to, even in prayer, bring your, bring your slate with something already written on it, you know, and then you get excited about it and you turn that excitement into God speaking to me. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, we know that God's speaking to us because it's something that we would have never thought of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, not to make a, you know, a strange rule out of that, but if there's something biblical that God is impressing on your heart and it's something that naturally you ought that you wouldn't want to do, that is probably God speaking to you. Uh, and yeah, not to put people in like a weird position of like fear, if it's fear, 
okay and you're just like well i never wanted to go to india i was always afraid god was going to send me okay i'm not talking about that right uh but yeah the most important thing just a note on calling is to uh just give it time if you feel the lord speaking to you about something uh you know just give it time shelf it pray about it uh but yeah that purpose purpose is so important we have to live our life with purpose we have to live our life uh for god and not just to get things from him. And, you know, the I love the first line in Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. It's, it just says it's not about you. And I think that's just a great reminder that if you want to have purpose in life, it's not about you. It's about, it's about the Lord. It's about Jesus. And when you live your life for him, you will have purpose. Uh, but everything else is like the the writer of Ecclesiastes said, it's empty. And if you live for yourself, uh, your life, um, you know, is, I hate to say this, but it's just not going to be as good. And that's a terrible reason to live for God, but <laughs> you know, it's a reason. Your best life now. Yeah, live your best life. <laughs> you know, we're all about living your best life here at the phrase network podcast <laughs> i i just want to close with this this basic concept that is just a theme of of what we're trying to do is um just a just a quick note on it when we think about starting with the blank slate thinking about what did what is it that god desires um where, where the bible says seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you you know there's this theme throughout the bible throughout the new testament of, of Jesus coming again, coming to restore creation to what it meant, what it was meant to be. Like that's the, that's the next big event that we see in the Bible. And second Peter has a note as, as to why, why it hasn't happened yet. Cause we know, like we know it just continually reminds us that he's coming soon. And in second Peter's, it talks about how the, the Lord is not slow concerning his, his promises but he's is essentially saying that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So in the context of talking about why it hasn't happened yet, why he's delaying, that's that, you know, versatile, you know, it's really well known that he, he's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So in other words, that the reason he hasn't returned yet is because he wants to give the world, he wants to give people the greatest testimony of who he is and give them a chance to turn to him before, you know, the final judgment comes. And a big part of that, it's not necessarily just thinking about the people that we grew up in, grew up with, there are people in our family. That's amazing. That's the best place to start. But ultimately, you know, there, there are millions, there are billions of people around the world who never might never have an opportunity to be around someone who even testifies of having a relationship with Jesus. And so when we, when we're just starting with the blank, blank slate and saying like, what is it that God desires and where do I fit in? It's so important to, to not just start in the framework of our own experiences and our life. Like that's good. We should have that. But like, when we come to the word, like, let's think about like God's purposes in the earth and, if I think a lot of if a lot more of us adopted that posture, there'd be a lot more of us thinking about the areas of the world where there's no like real clear testimony of Jesus. And um, 
yeah, that's a big, big part of our heart behind the podcast too, um, to have people thinking about that. So I thought I'd, I'd close on that note. Um, Dan, I don't know if you had any other closing thoughts. Nope. Sounds great. Yeah. We always want to encourage people to submit their lives to the Lord and let him take them wherever he wants and really allow God to write your story. Don't be the author of your own story. Allow God to write your story because I would never have written my story this way, but it's better. God is a better author than you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Let's close on that note. God is a better author than you. Hallelujah. Hopefully you guys can tune in next time. See you guys.